Good morning, everyone. Uh, the reading this morning is uh, from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 45, which is on page 1003 of the Church Bible, or it's on the screen as well. So that's Mark chapter 1, and uh, it's on page 1003, verses 29 to 45. starting at verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Martin. Do keep that uh, passage open, um, at that chapter, and let me pray again for us as we come to look at God's word together this morning. Father, thank you for a chance this morning to get up close and personal with uh, Jesus. Please help us to see why he is thrilling and why the coming of his kingdom is such good news, that we don't miss out uh, on what Jesus is doing and what he will do for those who know him and trust him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, our country very much at the moment is taken up, isn't it, with this question of leadership. We're just a few weeks into new leadership, a, a new king, and of course a new uh, prime minister. <coughs> And I wonder, uh, well, we wonder, don't we, what kind of leadership um, they will bring, they will offer. Indeed, what, what, what would it be like to live under uh, this new leadership? And I guess even as they start out, we are looking for clues as to what uh, we might expect uh, going forward. Uh, just a couple of uh, weeks ago, we heard Jesus announcing his new uh, leadership the time has come, he declares, the kingdom of God is near. And this announcement of revolution, of regime change, uh, comes because the king himself 
Jesus Christ has come. And already we've had a taste, haven't we, of this kingdom, of his rule. And I hope you can see already, if you've been here over these last few weeks, why his coming, his rule, is such good news. He's the leader we've been looking for. He's the king who can deliver the world that we long for. But as he announces his coming and his kingdom, his manifesto, as it were, it does have, doesn't it, very direct consequences for us personally. Uh, immediately following that announcement, he says this, doesn't he? Repent and believe the good news. Repenting is turning around, isn't it? It's knowing that we're going in the wrong direction, turning around and pursuing a new direction. God's agenda, the king's agenda, not our own, walking in his ways. And in the last time, we discovered, didn't we, that this king has words of astonishing power and authority. And not only do those words leave his hearers spellbound, they bring about an amazing transformation. Well, this morning, we're going to glimpse further uh, this kingdom, what it's like to be under the rule of Jesus. Uh, a taster, if you like, of what Jesus ultimately promises to, to fully uh, deliver. Uh, just a while back, I brought some of these uh, yeah, uh, paint pot testers. Seen those? And, and yeah, well, you, you sort of put a, a sort of splodge, don't you, on the wall? And then you try and, as it were, imagine the whole wall, the whole room covered in that particular paint before you fully uh, commit. Well, this morning we have, I think, three scenes, three stories, and we get a taste, I think, of Jesus, the King, and his kingdom. And as we do that, let me encourage you to, to try and imagine the whole world under this king, under his leadership. Uh, His kingdom, as it were, stretching from shore to shore. And imagine our own lives fully submitted to this kingdom and this king. So here's the first scene. A king who banishes sickness and evil. Verses 29 to 34. So it's still the Sabbath day, uh, the Jewish rest day. But it's been anything but a rest, has it, for Jesus. Uh, Already he's been in the synagogue preaching, uh, astonishing people with that that great teaching. And that is immediately followed, isn't it, by a dramatic showdown with a demonic spirit, which with just a word is dispatched. It has been a a full-on day, hasn't it? But there's no let-up for Jesus. As they enter Simon's house, uh, something's not right. Perhaps it was the missing aroma of food. Uh, Simon's mother-in-law is sick in bed with a high fever. Perhaps not surprisingly, Jesus is immediately informed. And notice what happens next. Jesus uh, goes straight to where the sick woman is lying, takes her by the hand, helps her up. And she's healed. Uh, Just like that. No drama, uh, no fuss, uh, no probing diagnostic questions, no medicines applied. And so complete is the healing. We're told that she gets up, verse 31, and sorts out dinner and serves her guests. Well, news travels around fast in a small town. Uh, The first century version of social media, word of mouth, um, is highly effective. And it means that as soon as the Sabbath day is formally over, crowds start gathering around the door of this home. Indeed, Mark tells us, doesn't he, that before long, the whole town 
is there bringing their sick and suffering. Just imagine that scene, what a chaotic scene. And notice, by the time Jesus is finished, many are healed. Healed of all kinds of diseases and sicknesses. If you like, Jesus turns out to be the cardiologist, uh, the gynecologist, the, the physiotherapist, the oncologist, the pediatrician, all rolled into one. No condition, no illness is beyond Jesus' power to heal and to restore. And did you notice, it's not just a physical disease and sickness that Jesus uh, uh, banishes. Jesus, again, uh, demonstrates the power to banish uh, the evil spirits that have uh, possessed people, just as he had done earlier in the day at the synagogue. They're driven out, banished, sent packing at Jesus' command. As Jesus arrives on the scene, just how um, this activity of evil just sort of reaches a crescendo. And we will see Jesus continuing to confront this manifestation of evil throughout his ministry, but always with the same results. We'll come and chat to me afterwards if uh, this part of the story troubles you or you've got questions. But you notice also, as, as Jesus banishes these spirits, verse 34, he refuses to let them speak because, says Mark, uh, they know who Jesus is. It's interesting, these uh, evil spirits are the first, as it were, to recognize who Jesus is. You saw that in the encounter back in the synagogue, uh, that demonic spirit saying, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But here, surprisingly, Jesus silences these spirits and, and refuses to let them speak. And before we're done, we'll discover, too, that Jesus, uh, having cleansed a man from uh, sickness, from leprosy, also commands this man to, to keep quiet, to keep the news of his healing under wraps. I guess that might leave us scratching our heads a bit, wondering why Jesus insists that his identity uh, and his activity are kept quiet, at least for now. Surely all publicity is good publicity. Great for getting the kingdom on the map, getting brand Jesus out there. But Jesus is determined to remain in control of the message he brings and the kingdom and its spread. See, if Jesus really is God's king, the Messiah, uh, the one who banishes sickness and evil, I think Jesus knows that many will have an agenda for Jesus, things that they want him to banish. Probably top of the list is the occupying Roman army, uh, that desire they had for restoring political freedom. And so the news of the arrival of God's Messiah might have inspired political revolution right there and then. But Jesus wants to, to reveal his identity and his mission in his way and in his own time. In fact, we'll discover that Jesus has an even bigger agenda than political regime change. What do you see? Here's Jesus banishing uh, sickness, spiritual uh, oppression and evil doing so with astonishing power and success. And as he does so, do you see, he's giving us a, a flavor, a taste of the kind of king he is and that kingdom he's come to bring in. And even now, as Jesus as it were, gets out that Dulux tester paint pot, doesn't it make us long for the day that promised future day when Jesus' kingdom is not just glimpsed in a few splotches here and there, but displayed fully on the canvas of the world and the universe. God's rule established, recognized in every place, every nook and cranny.
See, that full expression of the kingdom, uh, that promised new creation, is going to be a place where there is no sickness, where the evil is removed, banished once and for all. Perhaps there's some listening here this morning who are very glad to hear that news. Maybe you're battling physical pain on a daily basis. Uh, we know the misery, don't we, of our bodies, broken, perhaps even ravaged by disease or sickness. Perhaps it's seeing those that we love suffer. Perhaps for some here, the challenge is not physical illness that most plagues our mind. Perhaps it is uh, the reality of human wickedness that assaults us. Scenes of those children in Thailand murdered senselessly. Perhaps it's closer to home, the memories of things we've done or things that have been done to us that haunt us and oppress our spirits. Or whatever it might be, I, I pray that as we come this morning that we would recognise the good news of Jesus, what he's able to do. And let me encourage you, if you are battling or struggling, particularly this morning, with things that plague your mind or your body, please share them, please let someone pray with you and help you to see something of what Jesus is doing and will do as we seek hope in difficult times. I guess for many of us, uh, as the Bible describes that new creation that's coming of heaven, as we call it, it is hard, to, isn't it, to visualise, to imagine. But here I think Jesus encourages us to, to picture it, not just a few splotches on the wall, but a, but a, a complete wall-to-wall coverage. Uh, when our kids were small, we used to play the heaven game. It's a great game to play. It's to imagine the world that will be... Um, when Jesus rules fully and completely, when all that damages his world is removed and banished. The game is very simple. Just ask a few questions, and the kids would have to answer yes or no. Will there be locks in heaven? No. Will we need doctors and surgeons in heaven? No. Will there be practicing lawyers in heaven? There'll be lawyers in heaven. They will be lawyers. My wife's a lawyer. <laughs> um, uh, but not practising ones. Well, our kids thought the game was hilarious. Uh, perhaps they were better than me at picturing that world that God is promising to deliver through his son, Jesus. Well, here's a man, Jesus, a man of action, authority. And he's here to banish those things that should never have been in his world in the first place. And as we glimpse that king, as we get a taste of that kingdom, isn't it good news? The greatest news that we could ever hear or imagine. King who banishes sickness and evil. Uh, scene two, a king who prioritizes preaching, verses 35 to 39. I guess it was a very late night for Jesus, that particular night. But if you're expecting him to be sleeping off next morning, uh, we discover the opposite's true, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. I don't know about you, but maybe that sounds a little bit anticlimactic. Here's a man possessed with God's power to bring in God's kingdom, and now we find him removing himself from the actions that were to, to pray. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, early in this chapter, we heard him the voice of God speaking over Jesus, son speaking, uh, father speaking over son, saying, this is my son in whom I delight, my beloved son on whom my favour rests. And now we see Jesus coming before that father. 
And I think we'd be reminded, as Jesus does these amazing things, it is an outworking, isn't it, of who he is, the unique beloved son of God. I was just very struck this week by the importance Jesus gives to spending time with his father. In the midst of growing pressure and demands, Jesus' first priority is to deliberately find a quiet place to be with and talk to his father. Well, before we go any further, I wonder whether that has something to say to us uh, this morning. Jesus begins his day um, speaking to his father. I think if the Son of God needed to do that and needed to reflect that dependence on his Father, uh, do we think we need to do it any less, is the question. Perhaps we claim that we want to have more time to pray, but our excuse is often that we're just too busy. Pressures, demands on our time. But Jesus shows and models to us a, a dependence on his Father that is striking, not least as he faces demands and pressures that are beyond anything that we can even imagine. And even in such times, Jesus needs to pray, needs to depend on his Father. I guess it's arrogance, really, isn't it? Or stupidity to think that we could uh, do with less. So this week I've had to repent of my arrogance and stupidity in thinking I can go through a day without talking to my Father, beginning a day without talking to my Heavenly Father. But notice, too, that, that what this time spent with his Father results in in the midst of these pressures, as many come to sort of dictate his agenda, everyone's looking for you, they say. Um, uh, time with uh, his father gives Jesus real clarity, doesn't it, and conviction about his priority. Notice his reply to disciples, uh, let us go somewhere else, says Jesus, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Isn't that striking? Our face with what we might call the tyranny of the urgent, even the important. Jesus is very clear, isn't he, about what is most important. Jesus is a great miracle worker. Yes, but first and foremost, he's come as a preacher with a message. Does that surprise us? But notice what Jesus is saying, that the miracles, if you like, are the visuals. But it's the audio that is the key. And Jesus insists he can't be sidetracked uh, from the task of bringing that message of a coming kingdom and the need for its hearers to be ready for it and for their king. Who would choose preaching over healing? Indeed, uh, for many of us in the old world, you know, preaching is a kind of pejorative word, isn't it? It has negative undertones. Someone said to me recently, don't preach to me. It was said with an edge, challenging any idea that I had my life sufficiently together to be in a position to tell him how they should think or live. But here's the one whose life does withstand total scrutiny, uh, who does have the right to speak into our messy lives with unique authority. And we might choose to ignore the words of other preachers who claim their own authority, but we need, don't we, to listen to the words of Jesus. So we need to take time to, to hear him speak. But we need to listen to him. Yes, on a Sunday, perhaps at home group, but every day, Jesus said that we can't live, can we, on bread alone. We need every word that comes from God. I don't know whether you ate breakfast this morning. Hopefully. I hope you have also enjoyed God's words 
today already. And Jesus, I think, brings that powerful point home, doesn't he? He says, our greatest need is hearing God's words, even above physical healing. And if you find that hard to process, especially if you've got morning bodies that don't seem to work very well, we'll see Jesus driving that point home very powerfully next time in an encounter with a man lowered through a roof. Well, having spent time with his father, Jesus is very clear about his priorities, verse 39. So Jesus traveled through Galilee, uh, preaching in the synagogues, driving out uh, demons. Before we move to our final scene, uh, just a couple of things that are, I think, important. You spot where Jesus does most of his teaching. It's in the the synagogue, isn't it? It's the place where people were schooled and taught in the scriptures. It's a reminder that Jesus' teaching didn't just come out of nowhere. He didn't just simply appear out of nowhere. He is the fulfillment of God's plans and purpose expressed in God's word uh, for these guys in the, in the Old Testament. So let me encourage you, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament or how it fits together with the New Testament, um, it'd be great to understand that more. I've got a couple of good books if you want to get an overview of Scripture that helps you see how Jesus fits into all that God speaks of even thousands of years before he comes. But notice too, uh, uh, with, with this preaching priority, Jesus also continues to drive out evil spirits to take more ground, as it were, from Satan. This is helpful, I think. One comment says, says this. Uh, Satan is sometimes called the father of lies and the deceiver. That's his calling card. And so perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus prioritizes preaching, preaching truth. Um, so that the lies and the power of the enemy is exposed and destroyed. Not surprisingly, these two activities, preaching and driving out evil spirits, go hand in hand. Let's be people committed to hearing Jesus' words and proclaiming them too. And may that be our priority and goal amidst all the demands that uh, we face, all the expectations that are placed on us from the world and even from the church. Finally, uh, scene three, a king who cleanses uh, the unclean. This final uh, scene is one of my favourites, I think, in Mark. And if you're an observant a reader or listener, you will notice that one word stands out in this encounter. At one level, this is a man who is healed of a skin disease. But at least three times, it's classified as cleansing. It's interesting, isn't it? Here, I think, we see the power and reality of what Jesus has come to do. This is where it finally hits home. See, as we see Jesus coming with that mission of establishing his kingdom, a kingdom without sickness and sin and evil, I think we're left with a question, aren't we? Yes, we see Jesus banishing evil and its consequences, ejecting those, as it were, who promote uh, wickedness and evil. But what happens? What happens if that problem is not just out there, but it's also in here? Just a few pages on in Mark chapter 7, Jesus will expose that reality of the uncleanness within. That's not just out there, but also in here. 
Perhaps even this week, we've been shocked by the dirtiness of thoughts that have passed our minds. Perhaps we've been deeply surprised by the words that have come out of our lips. Shocked at the uncleanness in us. Well, wonderfully, in this final scene, we witness not just a physical healing, but a spiritual cleansing. Well, for this man to even approach Jesus was surprising. Uh, leprosy was not just a disease that was largely incurable. It was also seen to be highly infectious, which meant that added to the physical pain of this condition, which was horrible, there was the dreadful stigma of social isolation. And to make matters worse, uh, this disease was even seen as a sign of being spiritually unclean. Any contact with a leper would make you unclean, with the result that you wouldn't even be able to enter the temple uh, to approach God until you were officially declared clean again. Well, if this man comes in a desperate state, he does come, doesn't he, with, with faith as well. As he comes to Jesus, he cries out, If you are willing, you can make me clean. So here's a man who not only needs physical healing, but he also needs to be cleansed. Restored physically, yes, but also relationally with others, but also ultimately with God himself. And notice Jesus' response. He doesn't recoil. He's not indifferent, is he, to this man's condition. In fact, it says he's filled with compassion. In some translations, ours, it says he is indignant, appalled, outraged that this is happening in his world. But his response goes even further. He, he touches the leper. It's an extraordinary moment. Perhaps the first human touch this man had experienced, perhaps for years. Of course, normally to touch a man in his condition would have resulted in Jesus becoming unclean, perhaps infectious too. But as he touches this man, Jesus reveals that he is the one who is truly willing truly able be clean he says I am willing and instantly the disease is gone he's restored well just in this encounter we get a, a wonderful glimpse don't we of why Jesus is such good news here is a king who who cleanses here is a kingdom that gathers the dirty and the unclean with this invitation to be washed and cleansed by Jesus Perhaps there are people here this morning who may feel just that they're in no state to draw near, in no condition maybe to be part of God's kingdom. But as we come humbly, uh, in repentance and faith, we too can hear those words, I am willing, be clean. Do you, the only requirement to receive that forgiveness, that cleansing, is to acknowledge our need. Well, Jesus sends out this man, doesn't he, to uh, be certified by the priest so he can start to enjoy that restored uh, connection with others and with God, to have it sort of officially declared. Um, and again, he gives very strict instructions not to tell others about this miracle. But of course, the man, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, can't keep the news to himself. With the result that Jesus can no longer enter a town and is forced to stick to the lonely and isolated places. And I just wonder here whether Mark is anticipating something that is coming as he records that detail. So the leper was the one, wasn't he, that had been isolated, uh, was the excluded outsider. But now, as this man is cleansed and brought in, 
Jesus is the one who becomes isolated. He's the one who is alone. And I wonder whether Mark is pointing forward to that moment when Jesus will be very alone, unimaginably alone, outside the city as he becomes that great sin bearer. The one who takes on all our uncleanness and its consequences there on the cross so that he might declare us clean and justified in God's sight. <coughs> and remarkably, as he faces that ultimate humiliation and exclusion, he declares to all who will hear him, I am willing, be clean. Well, this morning as we glimpse this king and this kingdom. I wonder this morning whether we've acknowledged this king. Have you heard the words of Jesus said over you by faith, I am willing, be clean. You trusted those words for yourself. So if you have, you can long for that day when that kingdom comes in glorious reality, when that king returns. So let's long for that day. And let's hasten that day as we seek, even this week, to live for Jesus and to serve our King and his kingdom. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this glimpse that we get of what you are doing, and indeed have done through your King, the Lord Jesus. Father, how wonderful to be drawn into that kingdom, to have Jesus as our King. Well, may we know that joy even this week as we get to know him better, as we see things that he does, even through us by your grace. Please help us to speed that coming of your kingdom as we live for Jesus and serve him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.